Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Save My Mother Earth podcast today. Chris is joining us. Chris, it's so great to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> how is how is everything going out west? Ah, oh, wonderful. A little little dry, but uh, we're praying for some rain. Yes, that'll happen. Yeah. Other than that, very well. Oh, good, good. Well, so what um, we usually do on the podcast is start with having the guests share their story and how you find self-connection through your story. Um, and you can go into as much detail or as little detail as you like. Okay, great, great. Well, um, mine's kind of a journey of, of health, <laughs> health and wellness. Um, I had a lot of exposure to uh, examples of poor health growing up, um, whether it was mental health, physical health, um, combination of, um, so I, I didn't realize that I was having this lesson as I was getting older, but, um, of course in adulthood, um, when I fell into this, um, let's see, we'll call it, um, overload of anxiety from life circumstances. I had a lot of, uh, loss. I lost my mother when I was 28 due to her, her poor health. She had an accidental prescription drug overdose, which kind of, pushed me into the natural healing realm away from prescription drugs or pills in general, um, knowing that there had to be a better way. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just sparked off uh, a journey that I've been on now for about 20 years. And the good news is I did find other means <laughs> and nature being very key with that. As I went on my journey, I ended up leaving the country where I grew up, um, country meaning the, uh, the country, the mountains of Oregon uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And I went uh, back down to California, which is where I had been, I was born in, in California. So I kind of ventured back that way and ended up in the city lifestyle more with glimpses of nature, getting out to hike, not as much as I wanted, this and that. Um, and, and really ended up being in the city a lot. Um, and again, unbeknownst to me, how it was affecting my health, um, kind of went along with that long story shorter. Um, I lost a husband to cancer. Gosh, it's been almost five years ago now. And with that, again, pushed me into the natural realm and dealing with the overwhelm of anxiety. So with the, these life circumstances, I really, I was really taxed after my mother passed and I started the quest. I really, I dove into massage therapy, yoga, herbs, and just, just learning what that was about, which, which ended up taking me into the scientific side of it, quantum physics. Um, I had a lot of mentors with that and really just realizing that, I mean, in a nutshell, we're part of nature. So this disconnect I had from nature was really what was part of what I needed to plug back in in order to heal myself or a big part of what I needed to do. And as life goes, um, I am now living in the mountains, surrounded by nature, national forest right out the back gate. And I'm constantly getting my hands dirty. I have a greenhouse now. I'm digging in the dirt, planting seeds, just watching the whole cycle of life, trying to keep, keep things from dying, whether it's weather, drought, you know, uh, that type of thing or, or aphids, white flies, you know, the pests come in and try to, they, they like this stuff too. So this is delicate balance and it really teaches us a lot. So I've, 
I wrote a book over the last year and a half and really kind of touched on my health story, what I've learned along the way, these different modalities and how I've been helping others to reconnect with nature and that, that healing power that they have that's in their innate wisdom, their innate, innate nature and literally tapping into that to get results um, and, uh, and reduce stress, reduce anxiety and their overall health as a result. Yeah, so so there, that, was, that was kind of long, but no, it was perfect and <laughs> for everybody out there listening. Definitely. Um, I will put a link for her book in the show notes. I started to read it. I haven't gotten all the way through, but I did touch upon some of the things we had talked about previously. And I loved how you talked about how in nature cells know what to do. Right. And that we don't need to be telling our bodies exactly what it needs to do, or you don't need to tell an acorn how to become a tree. It just, they know what to do. And I wonder if you could kind of build on that. Cause I feel like that has a lot to do with self-connection. Right. Right. So much of that, I think our society is, we've just been trained with outside stimuli, just all this stuff coming in all the time. And, and we listen more to that outside stimuli than our inside stimuli. So it's about kind of quieting that outside chatter so that we can listen to what's going on within. And, and even with that, we've developed inner, internal chatter too that we need to calm as a society, as beings on this earth. So yeah, the, the example that's always given to me in, in a lot of the, the beginning lectures that I, I used to take um, when I was learning all of this is when you cut your finger, and you, you, know, you put a little ointment, you clean it, put a little ointment on it, put a Band-Aid on it. You don't have to sit there and watch it and stare at it. Okay, okay now blood cells need to come in here and, and heal this. And the lymphatic system needs to take the garbage out. And you don't need to like sit there and it, your body just knows how to heal the cut. It knows how to do that with everything. So trauma, toxicity, and thought. Uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton uh, wrote a book about that. Um, those are like the three main things that come in and, and disrupt our internal communication, our healing functions, and make it to where our bodies can't, can't communicate. Our, our cells can't hear each other to do the repair work. They don't, your, your finger can't get the message to the brain, to the heart, to your gut brain, to get things in order to get things to happen in the finger. So sometimes, um, you know, people might heal slower than others for different reasons. And it can be, you know, a variety of things and health and nutrition, but it's the, the environment, whether you're keeping it clean, all those things that contribute. So it's, it's a big picture. It's not just our thoughts and it's not just one thing, but when we can calm the thoughts and let the body communicate when we're not all tense and charged from all these, the stimuli, we can take a breath and, okay. And things can kind of function without being under pressure. Yes. Um, that's, that's when we heal. And it, it, it just sounds so elementary as I say it right now, it's like a big duh, but we kind of got disconnected from this big duh. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people think about it yesterday. I actually put this on Instagram the other day because yesterday I was driving to go visit um, a family member. And so I was leaving my house around 8 30 AM and I was stopping at the gas station on the way. 
Because I always love to start my travel with a full tank of gas. It it calms the nerves, right? Of like, that's one thing that you can control really well when you're driving. And when I got there, none of the tanks worked because there was a switch issue. And there was a guy next to me who was also pumping gas again early in the morning. He goes, he goes, where's the next gas station? And the attendant said, it's about two miles up the road. He's like, oh, I hope I can make it. And here we are both starting like our day in two different frames of mind. I still had, I still had a half a tank of gas that I knew I could get anywhere. And he was not sure if he could even make it two more miles. Right. And how anxious that might've been, how anxious he might've been starting the day off like that and how all those out, like you said, that outside stuff, stimuli, Mm -hmm. stressors, all that things that play a role. And you had talked a little bit about kind of you feeling that own your own anxiety. And I think as Mm -hmm. a nation, as a world right now, there is a heightened anxiety. Are, Are there things you do to help kind of bring that down or is there a technique that you use? What, Yes, Um, (laughs) several things. Um, One big epiphany that I had, I would say probably about 20 years ago, um, was balancing that outside stimuli and kind of like, like you were just referring to, there's some things that are under your control. You can fill the gas tank ahead of time. You can plan for certain things just in case something unexpected happens, right? Where the, the guy that you met at the gas station hadn't quite planned in the same way. Same thing in life. So I had an epiphany when I was around, I guess I was around 28-ish, right about the time my mom died. I think it was right after she passed. And I was just really reevaluating everything in my life because it was just like, man, she taught me everything. And everything I did, I'd tie my shoe, I'd pick up a spoon. I was like, whoa. And so I was really thinking about every little detail of my life. And I started thinking, I had watched a movie the night before. And I was exhausted after I watched the movie. It was an excellent movie. I can't even tell you what it was, but it was so good. It pulled my emotions from one spectrum to the other in that two hours, just everything you could think of. It was rage, it was fear, it was excitement, it was hope, it was love, it was disappointment. I mean, just boom, doo-doo, 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 doo-doo. And it wasn't just like it was a gradual up to the climax of the movie and then let you down. It was like ping, 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 ping through the whole movie and then the big, a bang at the end of emotions, right? And I got done with that and I was like, whoa, that was exhausting. As good as it was, I'm, I'm tired because I was already dealing with my own life st- stuff that was pushing on my emotions. And I really sat and thought about when would I be in a situation in real life, in, in the natural world, so to speak, where I would go through that many emotions in that short of a time. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, No wonder my adrenals are so taxed. No wonder I'm so tired. No wonder I can't can't rebound after this happens and that happens. And I'm just constantly in this emotional hamster wheel, so to speak. And it really opened my eyes to, I could hear, I can hear right now my parents' voice echoing in the back of my head about, about all the, you know, get out, get up in front, out from in front of the TV, stop, you know, playing video games, all, all the stuff they tried to instill and they did, but I hear it now, the healthy words they were telling me about not letting the TV programming program me. They were, they were very, 
on those words back then. And I'm like, what do you mean program, program? It's a TV program, what, what? But it was literally programming my mind. I was living through this fictitious plot of these characters. And then I pop out of that and have to go vacuum and do my chores or whatever as a kid and be like, whoa, you know, oh, here I am, humdrum. The humdrum vacuuming, doing the chores. I much prefer to be in that fantasy world, but to find a balance with that. And that, that took me a while. So in, at that point in my life, when I realized this, I was just so fried from anxiety and, and these stressors that I needed a, a, just a real a disconnect. So I literally, I unplugged my TV <laughs> and I just kind of went cold turkey on, on entertainment. And I started realizing my, my music was like old, old sappy love songs and this and that that were reminding me of old relationships or, oh yeah, I've had that happen to me too, wah, wah, you know? And, and so I started like, why am I listening to this crap? <laughs> I mean, good, good music, not to bash on any of it, but there's a time for that stuff. So I started, um, at the time I started putting yoga music, massage music, which either had no lyrics at all or it was in Sanskrit that I didn't understand what the words were. So it wasn't intellectually pulling my mind and I was more feeling the music. And it really opened up a chance for me to start thinking rather than just listening to the words coming in and thinking about what those meant, if that makes sense. Yes. So, and that really, I think marked a big point. That was about the time I, I just like, there's gotta be a natural way. I got no pills, you know? And I, and I realized just by cutting out that outside stimuli, I had so much relief. I had so much more energy, so much more focus. I mean, you name it. It was so, I had so much more um, quote unquote control of my life in, in a certain, certain uh, degree. So mm -hmm. I could actually control the input when I was in my house at some level by turning things off. <laughs> wow. Right. right. And that we have that control. And I think it's, it's not just like you were saying, you get it from movies, from music now from social media, people have their phones and I'm too, I'm also guilty of this at times, having my phone right next to my bed and checking mm -hmm. my email or social media, right. When you wake mm -hmm. up and you're already starting the day in that mixed emotions and you're letting your emotions be controlled by what's happening in the outside world mm -hmm. versus starting your day with gratefulness and contentment and being in the space you're in. Right. Having that anchor to come back to, because if you can start there, then when you pick it up and you look at some crazy story on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you're like, Oh, and then you can come back to that place again. Okay. Well, that's, that's there. Yes. It's real and it's happening, or maybe it is or isn't real these days, depending on what you're reading. But to me, that's that point where now you can take action because you see that ickiness out there that you want to change. And instead of sitting there watching all this stuff on a screen and wasting time away, yes, there's this available time now. If you can turn off that dial, I mean, even in moderation, you don't have to completely disconnect from all this stuff. I mean, it, it can be healthy to sit down and relax and watch a good movie sometimes. Mm -hmm. But to be able to put it in that place where you, where you have another space to go to yes. another natural place of, of calm. And I could go on and on about the tools with that, with my yoga background, I 
breathing of course is key. So I, I usually teach a lot of that. Um, people hold on to their breath to stuff things. Don't move the, the breath. And then you don't have to feel all the stuff and it just stays where it is. And then, then people wonder why they're stagnant. Right. Mm-hmm. And why, why am I not getting anywhere? I want to get and why they're so like, yeah, stiff in the shoulders and the neck yep. and mm-hmm. not breathing fully and getting. getting it totally out. translates into the body, which is what I discovered as a deep tissue therapist. Emotions are actually stored in our muscle tissue from traumatic events, whether it's a car accident or an argument with a loved one, they can have their different levels of trauma in the body. So it's everyone has a unique story. And I, ended up stumbling upon the body talk system. It was about seven years after my mom passed away. I have an interesting story that I wrote about in the book. You can read there. It's kind of a magical little story, how I stumbled into the system, how it found me. And basically when I fell into it, I I realized that it was a dashboard, so to speak, to run all of the other things I had learned. So for me, I had a, a session that really just wiped out my emotional triggers in a big way. Not that I don't still have them. I I still have emotions. I still have things that trigger me, but it's more diffused and in a healthy way when things come up like, Oh yeah, that still bugs me, but I don't get all crazy on it. (laughs) Like I used to. (laughs) For the listeners who might not know what the body talk system is. Can you explain a little bit about what it is? Yes. Yeah. Let me, let me back up a little bit into that. It was developed by Dr. John Veltheim and Esther Veltheim, probably about 15 or 20 years ago now, if I can remember correctly. And it's basically using the kinesiology concept that a lot of people are familiar with, the muscle testing concept. And also a lot of people have heard a lot with tapping these days. So um, emotional freedom technique, meridian tapping, there's a lot of talk around that. So you can think of those concepts there. And it's really um, a melding of East versus West when it comes to healthcare and embracing the quantum principles, which are a little hard to embrace, right? They're kind of, it's an interesting concept, the quantum world. Um, So without going too crazy into into that, um, we're embracing modern science, Eastern, Western, bringing it all together and using muscle testing to ask your body what it wants to do. Yes, no, yes, no. What, where communication is broken down, where it wants to be relinked and connected. And, and then there's a tapping process. You can hold different body parts, um, but the tapping is over the, the brain and the head, brain in the heart and brain in the gut. And that the three of those together are thought to be the mechanism of the mind. And so integrating the three on a cellular level, getting things talking and, and, and things start healing themselves, right? And you start getting one little layer of the onion at a time, starting to work yourself back to that, that level of homeostasis, that, that balance point, that centering, that, ah, the place where your body can nurture itself, heal, learn, grow instead of being in the fight or flight where we freeze, literally our body systems freeze. We can't heal things. We can't digest our food. And if we can't do that, then how, how are our cells supposed to grow? And how are we supposed to grow as people the, the whole bit? So it's just so key to get into, into that, that area of calm 
instead of that chaos, right? And I've really found that these different tapping procedures with the body talk system are just super, super um, crucial, I would say, and effective um, for a lot of people and, and really fast too. I had a client tell me the other day, um, she was having a panic, panic attack and I had just sent over a video I have with a little tapping process of brain balance and she had watched it. And so when she had her panic attack that afternoon, she tried it and it worked. And she wrote me, she wrote me a message later that day. She's like, that's the only thing that works. I can never get them to stop. Da, 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 da. So it's, it's, it's super, super fun and exciting to see people using it yes. and getting the results. Um, and, and there's just so much more. That's just a little snippet. Right. Right. And with, I think with your podcast, you're really on that, you're keen on that nature connection, right. That, that, getting in the rhythm, the, the earth breathes, the, you know, it's, it's, and we have to be in that rhythm too. Right. Yeah. And it talks to us if you're, if you listen, right. And it's what came to me just uh, a bit ago, as you were talking and talking about thinking about anxiety and that combination between now having these new techniques that you can use in like, while you're working inside, if you're feeling anxious and all of a sudden it came to me about how our whole sympathetic flight or fight system is in place so that we could run away from a tiger or a bear or a lion or get away from danger outside. And I find it so ironic now where we are now as a society that our fear and anxiety and our sympathetic nervous system is more stimulated inside in a place where we're supposed to feel the most safe. Yes. And we actually can activate our parasympathetic system outside or with some of these techniques that are created by different cultures from all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. All, all these techniques I'm talking about are, are like you say, they're ancient. The tapping, they say comes from ancient yoga and of course, breathing that's been around since the beginning of time, hasn't it? <laughs> we hope. <laughs> <laughs> so keep breathing so, everybody. <laughs> right. And, and one of the fascinating things that, that I like to think of with the breathing is that when we breathe all the way to the top of the inhale, we're allowing all three brains to scan the subtle frequencies. And we go all the way to the bottom of the exhale. That's the dense stuff, the muscles, the tissue, the bones, the things we can feel, the things we can see. Right. And so if we get that full spectrum of the breath, then our body is getting the full range of what's going on, our, our brains, right? It's yes. what's going on in the body. So if that happens, again, here's the big duh, duh, if we can see what's going on, then we know what to fix. And then, you know, maybe how a little bit of how to go about it, right? So, you know, I joke and say it's the big duh, but, but we kind of are at that point, I think. Right. When I think about it, right, like when we're outside exploring and enjoying nature, we're already in that state of calm, probably doing the more deeper breathing. Yes. yes. And when we're inside in front of our computers or feeling nervous or stressed that the boss is going to call or, or, Oh, what, what happened in that news story? Or right. what is my friend doing over here that I'm missing out on? We have that much shallower breath. You talked about the three brains. Can you go into that a little bit more? Oh gosh. There's a whole lot of science going on with that right now. Um, heart math 
uh, if, I'm sure you've, you've heard of that. A lot of people have heard of that by now. They do all this measuring on the heart, all these scientific things of the heart field and, and the vibrations and connections and, and how we entrain with each other, all these rhythms. So that in itself is just huge. And that's just one of our brains. Um, I like to call it heart quarters. And they're actually finding that it oversees everything, even the brain and the head, the brain and the gut. It's like everything needs to be run from through the heart, which is part of our problem. <laughs> We've downplayed being led by our hearts, trusting in our heart or trusting in our gut as well. And we've been in this real cerebral society. And, you know, I've got to think of things rationally and logically. And, and, and there's part of that, but there's another part, right? And there's a little bit, bit more we can plug into that um, to, to start getting more of that big picture. Because um, we do have gut reactions and gut feelings. And I think everyone listening is going to go, oh, yeah, I've had that a million times. And you know what? When I don't trust that gut, that's when I stubbed my toe on that thing or when I hit my head on whatever or I made a bad decision over here. You know, and I've got a million of those. <laughs> right. And, and I think as you start to become aware, you're thinking, oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You ever said that to yourself? I yes. knew I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure the listeners have as well. <laughs> right. And I think that's that spot. That's that yes. spot. When you say to yourself, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Well, who, who knew what part of you knew mm -hmm. and what part of you was talking to the other part of you that didn't know that didn't listen. Yes. And I know the listeners <laughs> are really interested in, in intuition because we've talked about it. Okay. in the past and they've, um, and it's something that I love talking about. And yesterday on that same drive, but instead of the drive down, it was on the drive back. My GPS was telling me to go a different way. And it was having <laughs> me get off the highway and taking a back road that parallels the highway. Okay. And I was like, there's no traffic. Like I actually zoomed, like, I was like, let me mm -hmm. zoom out and see if there's traffic. Like, why would they want me to get off a road where I can go 55 and go 25. What's the reasoning? And I realized I was in my brain, my, my, my head brain. <laughs> and I said, you know what? It's telling me I should get off and I need to go with that. Like that's a sign. That's a message that I'm not supposed to be on the highway. Maybe there's something I'm not, I'm supposed to do or see or miss Mm -hmm. If I go off the highway. And so I went with what my heart was saying and what my gut was saying of just listen to the GPS. Mm -hmm. I had a, a similar experience driving on a, on a freeway, like a four or five lane freeway, Southern California one day and I was driving along and I was like in one of the fast lanes and going along, there's nobody in front of me. It was un unbelievable because usually there's a lot of traffic there, but it was a time when there wasn't, I was driving along and all of a sudden I got this feeling. I was like, you need to move over two lanes to the right. I'm fine. There's nobody in front of me. Why would I change lanes right now? People are going to think I'm stupid. What's this girl doing? Just like, you know, and I was like, oh, no, you need to move over two lanes to the right. Okay. So I moved over two lanes to the right, came up over there, the little crest that I couldn't see. There was a pipe lane to, across the two lanes that I was in. And I would have hit directly run over this metal pipe that was again, two lanes wide. That would have, that wouldn't have been fun. So it, little things like that, you know, and had I not done it, I'm like, oh, you know, I, sh I should have done that. Mm -hmm. I knew I should have moved over. Why didn't I? But that time I, I actually listened and I was like, Hey, this is stupid, but just humor yourself. <laughs> yes. And it's, well, I think a lot of people play in their head with like, 
is that my head? Is that my intuition? Is that mm-hmm. like just me just guessing? And it's like, always go with it. <laughs> if it's, if it's safe and you know, you can do yeah. it, just go with it. <laughs> As long as it's not one of those wild and crazy things, go jump off that cliff. Right. (laughs) Yes. If it's safe and you think it's going to be like, it's not going to change anything. Yes. It might change your drive a little bit longer if you have to go off the exit. But other than that, it's like, it might've saved me time. Who knows? Right. Yep. And sometimes you don't even know, you know, I might not have seen that pipe. I'm not, might have known why I had to change lanes or whatever. Um, but then, then I would have just forgotten about it and gone about my day or whatever. But yeah, sometimes we get the, the message right away that this is why. Yes. And other times it's just, just trusting that feeling. Um, and I'll even, I'll even get that. Like if I'm, I'm going to call it in an intense discussion with my partner. <laughs> and when I'm arguing a point and I just won't let it down, I've realized that there's a reason why. And typically, you know, it, Typically it's because I've done enough homework to know that this is, this is my intuition telling me this, this is the, I need to, to do this thing with my job right now because I have to. Right. And, and I'll stop and think, look at that and say, okay, really, do you really have to, or is it, you should want to, you think you should. And sometimes it's, yeah, it's a little cerebral thing. I should, because that's what the business plan says. And that's what, you know, a good, good business person would do or whatever. But then there's other times I'm like, well, no, I don't know. Maybe someone would tell me that's not a good business decision, but it just feels right. Right. I'm going to go, you know, do this thing with this person or whatever, and could lead to something else that I I never dreamed of. Um, So just being open, I think, to exploring those voices, those signals that come in. Yes. And then, you know, and it takes some practice too. Um, I like to- there's always free will for you to decide- Right. What you do with that. Right. I have a, a little game I used to play. Um, I'll call it the purse game or the dryer game. And it was when I was first playing with this idea of the law of attraction, right? You know, and trying to really, what is this? And I was trying to play, test it, you know, because I'm, I like to test things. So um, I was like, okay, so I'm driving in the car one day and I reach over my purse and I'm, you know, can't take my, my eyes off the road, but I, I need my chapstick or something. And I'm reaching in and I'm driving along and I'm thinking, I can't find my chapstick. I can't find my chapstick. And I'm digging around for it. Right. And finally I'm like, Chris, what does it look like? And so I visualize my chapstick. Okay. It's got a green lid. It's got a white thing and green on the label. And all of a sudden I feel my chapstick, in my fingertips as I'm just flicking them around. I pull my hand out there's a chapstick. Wow. No, that was just luck, you know? And so then I did that over and over and over again with a purse. And then I do it in the dryer too. When you you throw something in the dryer, you got to be out the door and it's that one thing that you need, you know, pair of pants, whatever it is, you throw it in with a bunch of stuff, you run in there and you're you're in a hurry, you open it up and you start pulling stuff out of the dryer. It's not that, it's not that, it's not that, not that, not that. And you're looking, stop, Chris, what, what is it you're looking for? It was the black pair of pants with the zipper like this. Okay. Reach my hand in there, fumble it around for a second, pull it. There they are, my hand. Yes. And I would play that game over and over and over again. And then I started getting cocky with it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to reach in that dryer. I'm just going to pull out. I know there's pants there. That's the ones. And I do that. And it would be the very last thing I pulled out. Uh... When I started, my ego started getting like, I know how to do this. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so these are the types of, of funny games I would play. No, and I love that because you right. not only said like, what is it that you're looking for? And this mm-hmm. could be right anything, whether you're talking about something for 2022 or what you're finding in your purse, right? When mm-hmm. I like how your phrase is, what are you looking for? And then you're visualizing it. What mm-hmm. does it look like? So you're being very specific of what is that going to look like? Right. And I like how you're, you're tying that together because it could be something as small as a chapstick or it could be your big dream of your career, your family, your whatever. Yeah. So and, it, and that's how that law of attraction works. And so can you get detailed enough to think of the details of your big dream? Yes. Or are you just stuck on thinking of something small like a chapstick? Right. And you knew the chapstick was in your purse. So you knew it was very possible of that coming to you right then. And Mm -hmm. so you could kind of, there's a little more of that control over like when you're going to find it versus if you're putting something out there in the universe of like, this is, I'm going to track this. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, when and how is going to be very different than you knew the how was it's in your purse. Right. You're going to reach in and get it. Right. And I I talk about that a little bit in the book too, uh, at one point is, you know, because my life story just in a nutshell or had been, I'm changing the story, but my life story that was teaching me so many lessons was I would just get in my fingertips, my, all my dreams, I'd worked really hard, whether it was the business, the relationship, this, and I I'd just get it. And then everything would crumble, whether it was cancer or, you know, my husband or whatever it was. And then it would just crumble. But, oh man, you know, and then I'd have to rebuild. So what I like to teach my clients, and this is a, kind of what I teach them how to do this part, is that we spend our whole life working for these things, right? And if you imagine that, that it's sitting on the other side of a door or a gate or something, and that gate is locked. And the stuff's sitting there. It's just been accumulating and lining up, and but you can't quite get it. You can't reach through the gate. You can't go around. You know, you got to have the right keys or the combination or whatever to open the lock, and you know, be able to clean clean away stuff maybe that's grown over the door or debris or whatever. Move things out of the way so you can get through blockages and get the door open so you can step into what you've created. And so many of us, we build all these blocks and we close these doors on ourselves un- unconsciously. It, it just kind of, it happens. It's just the human condition. So I teach people how to recognize where they've have their blocks and where they're contributing to their own blocks, right? The self-sabotage and this and that. And, and it creates awareness of things that maybe they can shift in their life and their relationships and their careers and their way they think. And anytime they make even a little change, it starts to crack that doorway open more into that other life that they're wanting. So the more they can tweak those little things, then, you know, it's like the domino effect, right? You start tweaking little things and then other stuff starts, starts opening. So once we can see what the blocks are, right, we have to be aware of it. And then to have tactics because sometimes those blocks just seem really daunting it's like how am I ever going to get over that because I had so much trauma I'll never get over that I think the getting over part is what we have to rethink Mm -hmm. it's not getting over it in a sense where we have to forget about what happened and forget about 
the hardship or maybe the things we've learned and the, the, the lessons that come with it, it's more diffusing, being able to diffuse the uncomfortable emotional charge that comes with that. So if we can get to a healthy vantage point to where we can look at those things and be able to breathe that breath of the, the breath of the, ah, like we talked about earlier and look at those things, that's, that's the healthy place to be with it. If you can look back on all that stuff, okay, I learned from this, I learned from that, I learned I could take this and that. Yeah, it was hard. Oh man, it was hardest thing I ever did. I didn't think I'd be able to do it and or, or whatever. And even if you're in a place like that right now, if you can think back to times what you were also in a time of struggle and that you got through those, even if they weren't as big, you know, sometimes the big one can feel really, the biggest one you've had to deal with can feel really daunting. So remembering how you've been able to handle smaller things gives you just a little bit more of a leg up Mm -hmm. and a step in the right direction. You can kind of push back and get through that door Mm -hmm. to have the possibilities come through. Right. If you, and, and sometimes it's, you know, going around hurdles or instead of over them or, you know, underneath things and just finding your way, right. Finding a way to make it work. Yep. It reminds me of the um, book, but also the movie, The Secret Garden. Mm, Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I love that. It's just like, all of a sudden I got the image as you were describing like this, this gate with a key and you have to find the right key and, and you have to clear away the things that have overgrown. I instantly had that image of the secret garden. When I grew up, uh, I grew up watching the PBS version of the secret garden and it was just so beautiful. And we had it recorded. And so on a VHS tape and just watched it over and over and over again, uh, for anybody else that doesn't know what a VHS tape is. Google it. (laughs) Um, And I just remember like just that there was something so enchanting, right. About being able to like, as she opened that gate and looked in and just everything looked dead and not like dry and tended to grab it. It hadn't been tended to and how her with support and other people came into the garden and really saw one glimpse of life. I remember like they correct like a tree branch and they're like, Oh, it's green. And they, that one glimpse of life helped them realize that it could be all brought back and they mm-hmm. tended to it and brought it back to life. And so beautiful. And such an analogy for us tending to our own inner garden, right. And bringing it yeah. back to life unlocking and getting self-connected. Maybe that's going to be my new analogy for (laughs) self-connection. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking of that Michael Jackson song, the man in the mirror, right. And starting with the man in the mirror. Right. And it it sounds so cliche when we talk about that sometimes, but it really does start with us. Everything starts with us. You know, I can't make a change for you. You can't make a change for me. You could assist me if I'm ask you to I say hey Heather can you help me I'm doing this thing over here and we can help each other like you say yeah um but ultimately it's up to us to do our own I'm gonna call it dirty work (laughs) in the trenches you know and and people people call it so many things people say it's their demons or whatever you know and it's it's challenges it's I call I like to call it challenges it seems less intimidating than demons Mm-hmm. It just seems so scary. Um. <laughs> well, it brings me back to that whole idea of like in your book, you talk about like, get your hands dirty, get in the dirt. 
And yeah. right. And that can mean two different things of like, get back out in nature and heal through like being in the dirt and really getting to the level of just being so, so connected to where we came from. And it's also getting in the dirt of all the stuff we've been through. Yes. Right. The lotus flower in the mud. <laughs> yeah. And then you take that ick and you help others with it, which is really, I think, where we are. There's so many people coming up right now doing good things um, to, to heal all these little wounds on the planet and the big wounds, right? Mm-hmm. But we got to heal all the little things and then it's, it just goes to the next level. Then we can do something bigger together and something bigger and something bigger, but we have to start. Yes. So uh, saying that the listeners might be wondering, well, what can I do today? What are a couple of things that you suggest that people do either daily or kind of a practice or something they could put into place? Okay. My favorite one right now, uh, you can do a plug for project drawdown. They have ranked climate solutions and I believe it's number two or three of the top things you can do is at home composting. So don't throw your food and, and organic matter into the trash can and actually compost it. And, and depending on where you are, some people might have to like grind it up down a garbage disposal. Maybe some of it you can give to your pets, but don't, they probably don't want to eat everything. Um, I live in the country, so I have a compost pile outside that I put things on. So, and just that one, I just started thinking of just that one little thing, one little yeah. thing, if everybody even cut, cut it in half, just say so you still have to throw some of your stuff away stuff. But if everybody did that, that's a huge, 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 huge impact on the methane gases in this planet. Right. And what a great way to be connected to the earth and right. to bring that back. And what could they do to help connect them to themselves? Hmm. that I, I always go back to the breath and, and going back to the heart. So connecting, like I say, heart being heart quarters. So when you go back to that breath, to getting that full spectrum of breath, all the way to the top of the inhale, all the way to the bottom of the exhale. So you make room for the next one. So it can be bigger. Right. And then again, repeating that and then focus on breathing into the heart and knowing that the heart wisdom is there. The heart it's got it, man. We just suppressed it. Yeah. And our hearts are connected to everyone else's hearts too. So if you start really, you know, like I say, checking the heart math, it's crazy. And you start realizing that. So if you really start diving into connecting into your own heart through the breath, it's amazing what wisdom starts bub- bubbling up just because it's just, it's just kind of in the ethers for everyone. You know, right. it's, it's such a crazy concept. Uh, yeah. But science proves all this now. That's the cool thing. Right. It now is- science is proving everything that the everybody from the ancient worlds know, right? And mm-hmm. it's and sometimes it's yeah, the people need the science. And I'm I'm like you, I like science as well. So it's always nice to be able to say, like, yeah, there's proof showing that what when you're breathing and yeah. you're breathing correctly. It I was always a big, big person of like, you tell me not to do something, you tell me do something. Why? Right. Why? I want to know why. Since I was a little kid, I think I drove my parents crazy, but my dad was a mechanical engineer. So he always liked to explain the whys of things, you know, and apparently when I was born, I found out recently he used to um, build radios. That was his job. He worked at a radio company, you know, back in the day. And so, and now it makes sense. Like he knew how stuff worked. He knew how radios worked. He knew how sound traveled. He knew how, you know, frequency. He he probably wanted to know the why as well. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then go back further. I found out my grandfather 
um, was it communications in the army. Um, and it was like doing all that, you know, back in World War II and whatnot. So he invested in cell phone companies back in the sixties or something. It was just like, <laughs> so it okay, makes so it, much sense. Right. And I had no idea that I would take after him in that way. Like it's that curiosity, right? Yes. So, so, so we just have scraped the surface of your amazing work. Where can people find you? Cause I want them to f- go out and find you after. Uh, yeah. So, so my website is myantidote.life and myantidote.life. And you can go there and check out, you can either buy the book or you can get a free book download there. Um, if you want to check it out before you buy it. Um, and that's, that's the best place to reach me. You can also find me on social media, Chris Ann Cravens on Facebook and antidote author on Instagram. Wonderful. I will put all those links in the show notes. Um, so make sure you go and find Chris there. Thank you, Chris, so much for being here today. Of course. And I just want to mention the title of the book. I don't even think I mentioned. Oh, right. Yes. What is the title of the book? <laughs> it's Anxiety Antidote, Your Guide for Life's Challenges. Yes. So awesome. You can use a little of that. So. Yes. I can't wait to finish it. I am. I've just scraped the surface of it and it looks amazing. So much there. And some of the meditations you shared are amazing as well. Do those come if they purchase the book? Um, actually I usually, um, have those available for my clients when I'm working with them uh, because I've designed them in a way to really help people move through stuff. So I kind of want to be one-on-one with people and seeing what they're going through so I can help them tweak it a little bit. Um, but uh, I've been known to, um, send the breathing meditation to people if they message me and ask. So, Oh, awesome. So Um, again, if you are looking for somebody to work with her meditations are amazing. Um, I've done a couple of those, so definitely look out at her website, Chris's website. Very good. Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate it. A wonderful time. Thank you. What a great interview with Chris. So many great tidbits that she shared around decreasing anxiety, increasing your connection, the connection with nature and spirituality and All of the things that she incorporated into the interview, I feel so blessed to have had her on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. Before I go, I do want to share that right now we are opening the Radical Self-Connection membership. This is going to be an amazing membership. It's monthly and we are at the introductory rate. So if you are interested in becoming part of my community and having people around you really supporting your goals and dreams to get you where you need to be by creating self-connection with yourself, which then can create connection with the world. Come on over, take a look at the link in the show notes to see where you can find out more information about that membership. And again, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Saved by Mother Earth podcast. What a pleasure it is to interview everybody and to have all of you listening. I look forward to Seeing you next time. Take care.